Hi, this is Delandra Williams. I'm a writer on Z Nation, and you're listening to the Zcast. Survivors of the Apocalypse, you've made it to the Zcast, your home for the zombie apocalypse, and we're glad you made it here safely. We'll be discussing Season 5, Episode 6, Limbo, with Delandra Williams, who wrote the episode. I am Brad, and joining me on this adventure through Z Nation are... Susan. Andrianen. And if you love some zombies and like what we're doing here, do us a favor and let everybody know on whatever social media platform you use the most, if you can retweet us, share us, blog us... Scroll our name on the bathroom wall at Limbo. Whatever you can do to get us out there, it would really help, and we'd appreciate it. Not only will it help guide the survivors and talkers of Z Nation to us, but it can also help out the show as well. Call in your comments, talkers, to 470-30-ZCAST. That's 470-309-2278. Check out our previous episodes and leave the podcast a voicemail at znationpodcast.com. Send us email at znationpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Tumblr at zcastpodcast.tumblr.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at znationpodcast. And join us as we live tweet the episode Friday nights or find us on facebook.com slash group slash znationpodcast for episode discussion and zombie fun. Limbo was written by Delandra Williams and directed by Dan Merchant. Tracking down Dante is no easy feat for Team Bitemark. There's a whole lot of tourist zombies hot on their heels. Fortunately, they make their way to Limbo and discover Murphy is once again reunited with his blends and enjoying a life of debauchery. Marjorie and other talkers have made it to Limbo, dropped off by a mysterious benefactor. But Murphy has no interest in helping them. Soon the team discovers who's helping the talkers and is reunited with one of their own. Family reunions aren't always happy and tensions are heightened by the talkers starting to go feral and the team disagreeing on what to do about Dante and Alturas charges against him. All right. I got to say, I love this episode. It was written so well. Oh, by Delandra Williams, who's joining us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm really pleased to be here. I did love this episode. I have to say it was, it it made me happy. (laughs) Thank you. It was really fun to write. I was glad because, you know, Carl Schaefer, the showrunner, is the one who kind of um, decides which writer is going to write which episode. And so I was really pleased um, with this one because I knew that it was going to be visually really fun to play with. And I always like to write for Keith in particular because we've been friends for a long time. So it's fun to give him some good moments. And uh, so I knew this would be like a really fun showcase. And then I knew that Addie would be there and that other fans are just going to flip out. You get to write so, the big reunion that's that we've all been waiting for. Yeah, yeah, I know. And it's so fun. I mean, it's fun because you're watching. I like to, um, you know, be on Twitter and sort of live tweet as the episodes are going because I like to see what the viewers are talking about and what they're hoping to see. And, uh, you know, every episode is just, where's Addie? Where's Addie? And you have to sort of bite your tongue <laughs> and try not to reveal for a while that, like, it's my, like, she's coming up. She's going to be there. Don't worry. 
There was a hype train for this episode, like hardcore. Once the picture started coming out of Murphy in his extremely devilish outfit, and and just Doc in that top hat with those <laughs> amazing glasses. I mean, everyone was flipping out. And then I think it was the Z Nation Twitter or Carl who said, you know, because everyone's like, "Where's Addy?" And they're like, "He's like, wait until next week." So everybody was dying to see this episode. So did you feel pressure <laughs> on you because of that, or? Yeah, I mean, I didn't feel pressure when I was writing it because I knew what I wanted to do with that moment. Um, but once people start getting excited, then I just didn't want anybody to be disappointed with the way that it went. And there's no way you can please everyone. I think there were people, I saw there were people who like wanted it to be even longer, wanted it to be even more emotional, really wanted to go through all the beats of it. But it's a really fast-paced show. And, you know, we just kind of try to give what we can in these sort of short bites, like as they're on the move. Um, but I think, so yeah, there was a little bit of that pressure of like, well, I hope everybody sort of gets what they want from this reunion. I liked I it. Did. I mean, it, it showed the whole thing of Addie was out on her own for a long mm-hmm. time and you caught how she had changed and everything because, you know, exactly when Lucy stopped talking to her, that was a big effect because she was kind of like a Lucy blend. Yeah. I mean, she is a Lucy blend. And so they'll always have that sort of connection. And we wanted to play with this idea of what happens when you're a blend and the person who bit you is gone. And how does that leave you? And we sort of played with all the ideas between like, she's just literally catatonic and like, you know, that the blends can't function without the person who bit them. Um, Or, you know, then we sort of decided we wanted um, this sort of desperado, you know, loner type that she had been, or she's sort of a little bit uh, emptier than she was. And so what has she been filling that void with? Um, but to me, the most important thing was like to play with her connection to Lucy and Murphy's connection to Lucy and kind of see where the little intersections were between them. So for me, I was most excited to see how they were going to talk to each other about it. Well, because she kind of was with Lucy a lot longer than Murphy all around. Oh, I mean, she definitely. Was anti, you know, she was anti and then she was blend and their relationship was very tight. And, you know, she had, you know, taken a beating and gone across country to save Lucy. So, I mean, I liked their, I liked their, their exchange because it's very clear that Addie blames Murphy and she blamed Murphy yeah. for the death of Mac. So there's no love lost between them. And I still think she should have punched him. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. I mean, it's com- it's complicated because Addie, you're right. I mean, and Addie and Lucy, cause we had that sort of two year time jump and they were together those whole two years and there could have been probably a whole spinoff about what their adventures were, mm-hmm. the two of them together in the apocalypse. And I mean, Addie definitely spent more time with Lucy than Murphy ever did. You know, he was right. sort of absent, absentee father, um, for mo- except for like a two week period, you know, in Lucy's <laughs> life. Um, but he, even though he has this intense connection with his daughter, so I think it's complicated because I think they both recognize in each other each other's grief, and they can connect over that in a way that the two characters have never really connected before when we were talking about this episode we talked a lot about how like we've never really seen them have anything except sort of a joking animosity towards each other 
and that it'd be interesting to play with a little more complex. Like they have this thing that bonds them together, but at the same time, it doesn't, it's not like, Oh, they're going to fall into each other's arms about it, you know? Um, but yeah, I think they definitely, the only other person who could understand how much they grieve Lucy is each other. Yeah, because they, they had that conversation like when she stopped hearing Lucy and he stopped hearing Lucy. That's those are the only two who actually really you know were affected that much by it. But is yeah, and that's yeah. I always and then I right from the beginning I wanted that beat of Keith or um, of Murphy thinking that it was Lucy for a second, you know, or hoping sort of against hope that that was Lucy that he felt. And then you know you open the door and it's Addie, but have a little bit of that fake out. Um, for him. And I think it'll be interesting to see like how their relationship going forward is a little bit tinged by that, that there's echoes of Lucy inside of Addie. Now, did I hear that right? That she said that she heard Lucy also when they kind of met. I think it's more that he heard Lucy and it's just that she, um, she felt some, she felt something, but she didn't know what it was. I didn't know if Lucy okay. was there, like in like Force Lucy, you know. <laughs> I don't think. I, no, I think it's just more. It's an emotional. It's an emotional sort of echo. Right. Well, that makes sense. That makes total okay. sense. Because they're both blends. Yeah. Yeah. But she hadn't felt it before because I know he hadn't heard it before. But she had dropped off talkers there before too. Yeah, I think it's just more that this time it's more that he was attuned to be searching for someone, you know, and he hadn't, I mean, he was busy with his, with his other blends. So (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of, I would imagine there's a lot of sort of psychic energy that would get in the way unless he was literally there waiting for something or looking for something. And so it's sort of like he finally had the antenna pointed in the right direction. Right. Literally. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Exactly. I, I did love the fact in this episode we did find out what happened to Murphy's blends. You know, well, you know, we got the hint earlier, but we were just kind of left with mm-hmm. where, where did these people go to after he left? And you know, yeah, hint- well, some of them, if I recall, some of them are frozen in Zona, I yeah. believe, mm-hmm. and then I guess others must have escaped. But yeah, that was another thing is we were like, well, what do what do they do? We talked a lot about that uh, during the Murphy Town season. What happens when Murphy leaves and these people are so attuned to him and so attuned to his desires? Like, what do they do? You know, um, so it's yeah, it's nice to know that they didn't just you know like turn off like <laughs> turn off like batteries being taken out of them. It's nice to know. No, they have they have lives that they can live when he's not there. It, but like you said, they were so attuned to him, they opened up Limbo. The perfect Murphy exactly. joint. <laughs> <laughs> perfect place for for, for Murphy. Yeah. Uh, now with all the with all the, the games and everything in, in Limbo, did everyone come up with those or just or was that just you? We did brainstorming about some of them. We knew we wanted to do the chainsaws. We knew we talked a lot about that first duel that you see. And we talked about, we talked about a number of them, but sort of when he rattles off that list, uh, that was mostly me coming up with some of the things. And then Dan kind of ran with some of those ideas that he thought were funny, you know, Um, like I think, I forget which ones, I think he came up with the who's a puker bit, like what that actually was, you know. (laughs) 
I think because some of them I had written out like what they looked like and then like hit the head. Yeah. I had written that out. And then we had sort of like an extreme monopoly and the zombie roulette. Um, but then the other ones he sort of just came up with. I wish we could have seen George Clooney's foot, you know. But I, that was <laughs> the best thing. That was hilarious. <laughs> that was so funny. And, the one and uh, big I mean, kudos to y'all for confirming what everybody on Tumblr believed that Murphy was bisexual. <laughs> that was so great. Yeah. Great reveal. And not just on Tuesdays. Not just on Tuesdays. Yeah, that's just the orgy nights. That's fine. Um, well, I think <laughs> if anyone, in, there was hints of that in Murphy Town. Um, there was a sort of a vibe that he was probably screwing everyone, all of his buttons, <laughs> you know, that he could. <laughs> um, it, it's the apocalypse. That a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he'll have a whole community full of people who just want to please you. I don't see uh. how Murphy could resist that, you know? Um, <laughs> and then just in general, Alvin Murphy is a character. It just is what makes sense. It wasn't even like, oh, let's try to to force anything it's just what makes sense to me for the character and i think to the whole room nobody you know everybody was like yeah obviously like murphy is someone who is such a like hedonist um which doesn't mean bisexual people are hedonists in general but just murphy in general is somebody who i think he's not he is just going to sort of like he can fall in love or fall in lust with basically whomever you know whoever sort of floats his boat and sort of stylistically catches his attention in other words, he's not turning down a good time. <laughs> yeah, no. And again, I don't want to. I don't want to say that in a way that makes it sound like that's how I think all bisexual people are. It's just that this this character in particular, I think, is um, you know he doesn't limit himself. Well, Addie's bisexuality is, came across in a very different manner, and like, and according to her character, she makes a connection with Dana. You know, they're exchanging yeah. eyes with each other, you know, that look and everything. Murphy, in Murphy's bisexuality, just seems like it'd be very rooted in his hedonistic inclinations, while hers would be yeah. more rooted in her need for connection, maybe mm -hmm. affection, companionship. So it's not about that either one of them is bisexual. It's just the way their sexuality would manifest, in other words. Yeah. I totally yeah. agree with that. And I think you do see that difference between how the two of them are portrayed and Addie is much more sort of, I think, realistic in a way portrayal. It's just that everything Murphy does is larger than life. You oh, know? he's like a huge yeah. character. And just he's embracing. Dionysus. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, basically. And he refers to himself as a god. So I think that's the one you would choose. And him just embracing the, uh, the, the little devil beard thing going on is, with the red is perfect. I love it. <laughs> he loved that. And I, um, I had written sort of a version of limbo that was like a little bit tamer and probably a little grittier. And then, um, my friend, um, Scotty Mullen, who's the casting director was just like, why don't you, he's like, play, just play with it even more. Just, you know, go as crazy as you can think. And then, that's when I sort of got more into the theming and I was like, oh, he should look like a little devil if we're going to go full sort of fun over the top. And so I texted Keith and said, how do you feel about a Van Dyke beard? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, start growing your beard out so we can, so we can shape it into that. And luckily everyone likes that. So that's stuck. 
But and no matter what he does, he's always over the top. Like when he had Murphy Town and he had his like little military looking outfits and everyone was matching and all that kind of stuff. I mean, Murphy always takes it to the next level. And that's one of the things I, I do like about the character, though I love to hate him. Um, he's always <laughs> he's always going to go to the extreme of no matter what is going to what is going on, which is what makes him, you know, a good villain and a good antagonist and a good part of the show i mean because he's he's yeah and and a lot of a lot of that comes from the actor keith himself he is very um stylish and like he's very tall in real life and like just is a sort of charismatic stylish um big personality and so i think um a lot of our our characters are now sort of they're very infused with the personality of the person portraying them and that's uh it just is sort of this perfect marriage between the actor and the character with murphy and i have to say that there's one thing about the whole murphy change I also rock a Van Dyke beard too. So, but um, oh, do you? Oh, uh, yes, I do. I, I have I have rocked one since like 1993. <laughs> so, wow! Can I, confirm that Brad is a devil in real yeah, life. When, as soon as I got out of the navy, one thing I did was grow out my beard as I could and my hair. So that's what I did. But uh, those shoes that he has, I so need those for my corporate American life. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> that's all so good uh, the whole the costume department the wardrobe department just does such a good job with the characters they they always turn it up a notch from what we imagine because you know i sort of wrote that he's wearing a red suit and that he looks dapper and sort of devilish and then they just run with that concept and just trick the whole thing out i was floored yeah. by his outfit in this one i thought it was great and then when Doc came out with the top hat. Oh, the top hat. <laughs> anybody so rocking nasty. a top hat has it going on. I'm just, <laughs> I mean, it. how could you want more from the moment of, um, you know, I'm Murphy and this is my associate, Dr. Beck. And then and you just look at Doc and he has that top hat and the hair and the beard. It just is such a cool, fun moment. I wanted it to sort of be reminiscent of... Um, Oh, snap. What's the one where he's always introducing his lawyer um, in Vegas? You know, the, the super surreal, um, it's the, like, gonzo journalist in Las Vegas. Uh, <laughs> fear loathing in Las Vegas? Yes, exactly. I wanted it I wanted it that. I wanted that. Yeah. Of, like, okay. this is my associate, you know, and it's just these two completely, like, crazy characters who have these very formal ways of introducing themselves. Which also led back later on after that little poker game going on. The I only have one sock left and it's not on my foot. Brilliant writing. <laughs> yes. Oh my, gosh. Oh my then, god, that was such yes. a great moment. Oh my god. I was like and, and Doc is shredded. Obviously the apocalypse does him good. <laughs> I know. Yes. Russell's in really good shape. <laughs> yeah. And then the uh, I, I knew, you know, since you were writing this episode, there was going to be lots of pop culture references. And so yeah. then there was the Monty Python one there. That was, of course, my favorite. <laughs> yes. Um, we talked a lot about that and the Monty Python moment in the room. And then it was sort of like, is this too 
silly does this even make sense and then we decided to just go for it and <laughs> that it would be that we just wanted to do it and that it was fun and um they they definitely delivered dan like tricked that moment out i think that's one of the most disgusting things i've ever seen but it looks so good <laughs> when they when they come back to him and he's just like he just burst open it looked yes. so good i was mm-hmm. so proud of dan and of the whole like um department um I don't know who's in charge of that. Is that props? Is that costumes? I'm not sure who that was. Okay. Whoever it was did a good job. Okay, so this leads to the question. So, you know, the guy ate all the cookies and he burst open, right? The, the, right. The Z biscuits. Now, he doesn't have a stomach anymore because he overdosed on the Z biscuits and it blew up. Yeah. When, I'm going to get really technical here, when he starts to <laughs> go near uh, the zombie crave thing and needs a Z biscuit, is it going to work? Or does he just need to eat I the don't. biscuit and it goes into his brain? It doesn't have to go into his stomach. I mean, originally we had a beat where we see him again at the end and he's sewn up, but he's really skinny. Um, <laughs> so I think- <laughs> In our heads, it was not meant to be his death. It was meant to just be, oh, they're going to figure out some way to sort of sew up what's there. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Okay, I'm just going to go with the fact that all he has to do is eat the cookie, and it just absorbs in the stuff absorbs into him before it gets to his stomach. I'm going with that. So if you want to just throw sure. that down. He, he staples because- himself up, He or he uses that Kevlar tape or something. Kevlar and he tape. Just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Kevlar tape. Cause, yeah, because we saw all that stuff that they were picking up afterwards it was like pieces of z biscuits so yeah they weren't digested so yeah, that's what i'm saying they weren't there long enough yeah 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 that's that maybe what satisfies them is just the act of eating the z biscuits yeah and, that could do yeah it. Sure. Uh, Let's I don't go with that. Hey. Uh, <laughs> um, well, that yeah, actually. His name. I don't know if anyone. I don't know if it's listed, but his name is Ralph, and we 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 wanted Ralph to be able to live another day. Okay. Ralph again. So yes. well, that's a nice. There you nice. go. Good luck and God bless to Ralph. Well, actually, now that you talked about just eating the Z biscuits, that actually takes us back. If you go back far enough to like Return of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. When they have one of the old lady zombie on the table there, she doesn't have, it's only like the lower half of her rib cage. She doesn't have anything else. She says, you know, eating brains makes it not hurt as bad. So she doesn't yeah. digest anything. So why should they do with the uh, Z biscuits? It's the same theory. I mean, right. they're eating it. Yeah, it does the sport. trick. There you go. I answered the question. Well, okay, cool. Well, and we have talkers. <laughs> I mean, we've seen talkers that have even that don't have very much of them. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it, it absorbs through the tongue, I guess. Yep, that no, we're going sure. with that zombie sure, science. Sure, okay. <laughs> sure. Z nation science. Put a stamp there on it. There we go. <laughs> and if you don't go without a biscuit for too long, you end up looking like Marjorie does, and she just kind of reverts down. Yeah, yeah she right. was trying oh, really Marjorie. hard to hold on, though. She really was. Yeah, for Dante. Who wouldn't for Dante? Hottest talker out there. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's like, it's Zach Ward popping out of the ground. Is this a dream? (laughs) I know, he's looking pretty good. He's so macho, too. Like, Uh the way he portrays the character. So it's very, yeah, it's very attractive. That's another one of those characters we weren't quite sure when we were conceiving of it, how... Mm -hmm. um, 
what exactly the final product would look like. Um, so even as we were writing it, we would sort of get notes like, okay, make it a little more grunty because, you know, he had auditioned by then and, and they liked the way that he auditioned and did the delivery. So then it was sort of going back and tweaking things to make it more, um, more of how the actor was delivering it. So that was interesting and a fun process. But yeah, he's great in that role. Oh yeah, there's. I've seen some stick comments. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'll go talker for him. I've seen a lot of that. Okay. Oh my so, God. <laughs> so but, um, I, 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 I like the way he popped out of the ground. That was pretty hilarious. I'm like, well, I mean, if you don't have to breathe, yeah, that would be great. Let's take a nap, literally. Dirt nap. Yeah. Well, and I wanted a way to hide him that we couldn't do with any of the human characters. That mm-hmm. was like you—you you can't bury Warren or something, but you could with with a talker. So, it was, and and also to sort of play with the the typical zombie coming out of the grave entrance. And um, so, for the first time, we have these characters that can really play with some of those zombie tropes in a in a new way. I just want to throw this out there because we're getting into the season. And it's going to come up. And I know there's probably some younger viewers who may not pay attention to the show and may not catch the connection on this. But like they said, uh, Dante, Zach Ward, right? So when you're watching um, A Christmas Story, (laughs) (laughs) he is the guy who plays, uh, what's his name? Uh, Scott Farkas. That's it. Something like that. He is the guy who scares um, Ralphie. He has like the what is it the the um, the raccoon hat on. He's the bully. Yeah, the raccoon hat. Yeah, he's, he's the, the bully. Yeah, he's the villain basically that Ralphie ends up beating the crap out of. So that's Dante, that's right. by the way, in the future. So there you go. When you watch that, it's him really young because <laughs> that was a long time ago. That was like eighty. When did the show come out? Like eighty three or something like that. I was a kid, man. Yeah, eighty three. That was a long time ago. <laughs> There's your history lesson, folks. <laughs> I just like it that there is Dante in Limbo. That just amused me. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it's like Dante's in Limbo. Of course he is, you know. I like how books. Da- we read books, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I liked how I was, Dante had quite the reputation that Addie knew about him. And she was very yeah. protective about him as well. Well, they must know each other. That's what I was assuming yeah. that mm-hmm. there's some kind of connection there that they've ran into each other at some point. I think Addie's had a whole life that I would love to write about in fan fiction, but I don't have the time. <laughs> then yes. she, she had a whole life after um, she was separated from, from right. uh, Lucy and the rest, and that um, she's had all these adventures that we have no idea about. And Yeah, you know. and you'll start to get some hints in subsequent episodes about... I don't, you know, you'll start to get some feelings of like things that she's been doing and people that she's known. Um, like I said, because the, because it goes so fast, you can't explain everything sort of in mm-hmm. the one episode. Yeah. And, and you wouldn't want to because there's a lot of scenes of walking and traveling and that's a good place to sort of play catch up um, with, with the characters and sort of get hints of what they, they've been doing. But um, yeah, I think Addie, one line that we gave her in this episode was that she just wanted to have a mission again. Mm-hmm. That she had had that she had felt sort of bereft without having a mission, and that's something that we talk about a lot in the writers' room. Is that one of the things that has kept our characters alive is that they they have missions that they have these 
sort of things that are larger than themselves that they have to survive for. And that when you don't have something larger than yourself, that's, that's a death sentence on this show is like you, you will, you won't have a reason to keep fighting. And, and um, so we wanted Addie to sort of feel like she had found this sort of new mission on her own, which was to sort of keep these talkers safe and that this has become something that defines her a little bit more. So when one of the talkers that she's trying to keep safe is endangered, it upsets her because that's, that's what she feels like her whole reason is right now to live. But then hopefully as she gets to know, you know, she sort of is integrated back into the group. She feels less, um, she has more reasons to live again. You know, she has sort of the friendship that is also the other key surviving factor for our characters. Well, I thought that kind of went back to even like season one where Mac was just happy for it to be them, you know, them too. And she wanted something bigger. She wanted something to believe in. She wanted to be part of a family group. She wanted to believe in the mission. You know, she wasn't too sure if Murphy was really the cure or not, but she wanted to believe in it. And that kind of that, when she says I had a new mission, I immediately thought of that, like how important it was for her to have purpose and meaning in her post-apocalyptic life. And that's one of the reasons I've always liked Addie. I just think she's just such an amazing character. And I was so happy to see her back. <laughs> I know. And she looks great. But yeah, Addie's always had the sort of right instinct of it's it's friendship and it's a mission that sort of keeps you going in life. And sort of the second Max says that, it's sort of his death sentence, you know. Um mm-hmm. And and you'll notice most of the characters who choose to be on their own don't survive very long on our show. It's kind of our main, um, our main idea for the show is just that it's about empathy and it's about working together. Mm -hmm. And that we really, really tried to bring that home this season in particular. Yeah. With George, George's vision. And I also liked when she tried to politician Murphy. That was a great <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. He bought it for a minute. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 she almost got him, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because there was some discussion on uh, Tumblr about like uh, people have been kind of arguing back and forth about George because they feel like George is taking Warren's role. And I don't see that at all. I, I see their roles as very different. George is a politician. Yeah. She knows how to smooge. She knows how to build a uh, community. She knows how to build consensus. And Warren is the warrior. She's the mission. She's the one who will protect George's vision and give her good advice. I couldn't see Warren being a politician. I just think she'd draw her gun and shoot the ceiling and tell everybody to shut up. (laughs) Well, yeah, obviously. And she wouldn't want to. I I can't see her wanting that. We, yeah, in no way is George meant to be sort of the proto you know, or the new um, Warren. George is, is meant to be this sort of figure of hope and of, um, I don't, yeah, sort of um, more, I don't know how to say it exactly. It's, like you said, less the, it's the emotion and the hope for the future, whereas Warren is very the action and is not as hopeful in general as George is. But she's a little more cynical because she understands a little bit more about human nature and that it will always, these groups will always sort of fall apart. Um, whereas George is always sort of hopeful that, that these utopias will continue. I really like that dynamic, though, the, the, between the two women, because I feel, I feel George's time with Warren is going to make her a better leader in the future. Mm-hmm. And 
And whereas maybe George is giving Warren something to believe in. Yeah, we we really wanted George to be somebody who inspired our characters and sort of gave them a new purpose and that they're willing to rally around this person who has this vision because it's a good vision, you know, and Mm -hmm. even if they're not sure if it's realistic or not, it's sort of the same thing as you guys are saying about with Murphy. We don't know if he's a cure or not, but hoping for something and believing in that vision is, is so much better than not. Well, you got to have something to believe in in the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. yeah. Or else it's just not worth living. Yeah. <laughs> well, it would be too ugly. Right. It would be yeah. too ugly. And even something like, you know, putting together these small communities, these like Limbo and Altura, they're all about somebody having a vision to make reality less ugly and animal than it is and to sort of elevate it beyond that and make it into something everybody can mm-hmm. gather around. Um, and even limbo in its own way, you know, it has its own sort of aesthetic for that, but <laughs> it's also in in its own way wants to be a utopia. Murphy's utopia. <laughs> for the, for well, the yeah, what, what, he, what he values as being, you know, aesthetically pleasing. Basically. Yeah, he, does, he, he doesn't yeah. seem too inclined to be helpful to talkers. I, I just feel like there's some kind of a pecking order there. It's like, Blends are better than talkers kind of discrimination thing, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, like, you know, we don't, we don't need to, to have the Z biscuits We're we're superior kind of attitude toward them, well, which I, I found think it's interesting. More, I think it's more that like, there's two different kinds of talkers at limbo, which is the talkers who are not on the run from anyone. And then the ones who are, and I think for the ones who are underground, he always knows he can lock them up or he thought, you know, that he could lock them up. And then whereas on the floor, they would endanger his blend, who he, he does care mm-hmm. about a True. lot and, and would not want to endanger. And so that is sort of like the big reveal of the episode for Murphy is that he cares about his blends and has actual feelings for somebody that's not just himself um, and isn't related to him, you know, <laughs> so that he it seems really cruel to not feed them, but to him, it's like, well, it's better that than to have the talkers on the floor getting ravenous and then causing chaos mm-hmm. and sort of shutting down this whole operation. Sounds like Murphy. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's practical, but the, the thing with the talkers um, that we also wanted was that you can always kind of see what the, what the argument is. I mean, obviously the writers lean towards the sort of, let's all be equal and the talkers should be integrated into society. But you can see the other side of the argument. It's not, I mean, it makes sense what Estes and even what um, Murphy sort of say about them, which is like, you know, you have to sort of manage these things. I mean, um, because they are dangerous, (laughs) you know, they they can turn um, within a week or so if you don't keep feeding them stuff. And so we, ne- we, we didn't want it to be so cut and dry that somebody was completely wrong. I mean, technically they're correct, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. It's basically, it's not if it's when with the talk. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's but just George's a matter of time. Has, has always been, well, we're, we're all going to be talkers. So we have to understand, we have to figure it out, you know, because eventually mm-hmm. we'll all be there. 
But you're not going to be talkers if you don't have the biscuits, as we see with Marjorie. Mm-hmm. She starts losing it more and more throughout the episode. And I have to say, that scene where Dante gives up to save her and she only ends up getting killed off at the end, I mean, that was a heartbreaking scene right there. You know, you could yeah. see the love between those two in just that moment in time. And I was waiting for somebody to break bad on it, but it didn't happen yet. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there yeah. was. One of the criticisms against Warren is that she just should have killed the guys the minute she saw him from Altura. But I get kind of the impression that she's not trying to make herself an enemy of Altura. Yeah, you know? that's the, and that's the thing. And even more so to give them fuel to use against George. I think um, Warren is very aware of George's sort of precarious situation. Or if your friends and known friends with the guy who they think of as a terrorist, and then they send someone to go find him and you kill him. You know, you and your mm-hmm. associates kill the person who's supposed to come get him. It doesn't look great for George. Right. And they're always sort of, that's what's hard when there's sort of a political figure with you, is you have to think about uh, more than just what is reality in the moment. It's what George says. It's, you know, it's what the, it's what everyone thinks happened. Um, and who tells that story that'll be important. And Dante talks about that too. You know, when she says, when George says to him, um, just say the word and, and, um, and we'll gun everybody down, you know, we'll, we'll blast our way out of here. And, and he says, no, that that's not, you have to sort of remain pristine and you mm-hmm. can't, um, throw away your sort of political future for that, for, for one or two people, you can't do it. And that he, he wouldn't stand for it. I felt the group did the right thing. Now he did the right thing. The group did the right thing. They were they were capitulating. It was just a decision of that one guy to kill Marjorie. They couldn't have stopped him without a whole lot of fallout. And I think they because they were complying. It's all on him. I don't I don't think Team Bite Mark had any of that responsibility personally. No, not at all. I mean, he's an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> he's a good villain so far. Yeah, he yeah. is, and I think the actor does a great job with him too. Oh yeah, he scares me because you feel mm-hmm. you feel the danger in him that he he will do horrible things very quickly. Um, I do want to say that the way you guys love to torture 10K is <laughs> just <laughs> beyond uh, words. <laughs> My husband makes fun of me because he says whenever anyone like calls me on something, I laugh. <laughs> I start giggling. Like when they call out something that's entirely true. So you can tell how true that is. Uh-huh. <laughs> giggling about it. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, we do. He's so sweet looking. He's so just got cute. that cute little adorable face. You just want to pinch his cheeks and y'all are mean. No. Why do you hate 10K? No, we don't. We don't hate 10K. We love 10K. He's great, and we love Nat. It's it's just that um, the tendency with characters like 10K is to keep them pristine and just to make him the love interest sort of over and over again. And we really wanted to grow him up. Like, that was fine when he was sort of the teen kid character, and now he's a man. Mm-hmm. And so now it's about, well, who is 10K besides his sort of adolescent goal of reaching 10,000 zombie kills. Like, you know what I mean? Like, who is he besides that? And we have some hints. Obviously, there's been a lot of character development with him, but we sort of really wanted to take the thing that he thought defined himself and take it away from him and then just see 
what happens when he's left to flounder and deal with the reality of who is he besides that, that sniping ability. Um, and then just sort of send him on that journey and see what happens. And also it'll help him connect with some of the other characters in new different ways and to find ways of valuing himself that are different. So I am fascinated with to see him on this journey. I like seeing him, how he's changing on this, but I also really like the fact that, you know, when he killed a, a zombie, I think it's 8,609, he's still counting. Yeah. So it's still there. He didn't shoot it. He still killed it, <laughs> missed it a lot, but, you know, it still count. Yeah. Well, originally, I think we had talked about even giving him this sort of whole Chaplin-esque or like Jackie Chan-esque inability to shoot you know, that somehow trying to switch over to the other hand just wasn't working for him and that it would be like him falling backwards over things and like into bushes. And I think we decided probably wisely to go like more serious with it and like actually show, you know, sort of his psychological journey with it. But um, I mean, it'll always be something that he thinks of as being important. And we just wanted to sort of point out that it's not all that he is and that he has, he needs to learn to value himself for something besides that. Yeah, I, I did like the muscle memory there where he was, you know, falling backwards and he ended up did shooting the uh, zombie as well, but it's just kind of, he wasn't thinking about it. So he did it. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those. And also the, the idea of like balance, like balance it against something. Okay. You know, right. <laughs> he keeps having it sort of in the air. And it's like, he's able to sort of balance it against the ground, like put the butt of the gun against the ground. And then that's where, it, you know, he has some of that stability. So it's just going to be him reorienting himself with himself, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. um, and with his body sort of in space and, and how he's going to, um, sort of make up for this loss of himself. I did like his reunion with Doc quite a bit and how he was very blasé about his hand. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, Dad, I lost my hand. We'll talk about it later. You know? <laughs> I know. Because is so sweet and he's just there like, oh my God, I have to tell them about the vans full of the zombies and like, you know, to him that's the priority and then they're like, Jesus Christ, your hand. You know? <laughs> oh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, his relationship with Doc is super sweet. I mean, I really like yeah. it. Uh, especially like the episode where he was being pushed in the grocery cart down one time by Doc. I love that beat. And it's like losing the baby, you know, the baby in the pram, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great. Oh, my God. Oh, that's the episode I mean, where... Doc and everyone is a great relationship. Doc is just such yeah. a great, yeah. Like you would just watch him do anything with anyone. Yeah, that was the same episode we were just to. talking next, with Russell yeah, about. Sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, that sorry. was the same episode we were just talking to Russell about when he was pushing him in the cart, and then we had the DeLorean show up and. Oh my god. I, I I just feel that uh, again. I just one of the things I do like about the characters in Z Nation. You do feel like they're all interconnected, but they all have very different relationships with each other. Like the way Doc interacts with with um, Murphy is totally different from how anybody else interacts with Murphy. You know, yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, Addie and Warren. I love that moment where they were talking to each other and reconnecting with each other, and um, 
it just, I don't know. I just love that dynamic that everybody kind of interacts with each other on a very different level, but everybody's kind of intertwined at the same time. And um, well, I think a little emotion. I did get, I, I will admit when they, when Warren and Addie hugged, I, I had a tear because I, I really miss them together. I know. Well, it really is about the friendship on this show. It's, I mean, Carl says it a lot. It's not really a show about zombies. It's a show about relationships and about friendships and, um, and about empathy for each other. I just loved it. I really did. And I, the other question I was going to ask you is, did you get to go visit the set at all? Or did you just see Limbo when we saw Limbo on TV? Or um, how did that work for y'all? Because y'all aren't, the writers are not up there when they film, we're right? Not, we're not always up there. Sometimes they go up. I was going to go up, especially since Dan was directing it. And, you know, Dan and I are great friends from being in the writer's room together. Um so I wanted to go up and then I ended up being on another show um, get, um, called Step Up High Water. Um, and so I was, I sort of surprised got this other gig and couldn't go up. Um, so I was sad about that. But Dan was so sweet and sent me pictures as they were going and Keith sent me pictures and little video clips. And then when they put it all together, they sent me an early edit of the episode. So I definitely... I definitely was excited and knew what you guys were all in for. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> was it like you imagined or was it even better? It was, it was very much what I imagined. It very much was the, the red and the, just the sort of like ornateness of it. And I think I thought they did such a great job of bringing that to life. That's also the benefit of having a director who's in the writer's room is, you know, that vision becomes really clear. We've talked to Dan, and he and I. We've loved what he's done so far this season, and we're gonna try to get him back because I think he has some more episodes up in the future. But um, I saw on uh, somebody said they really loved how you could see Dante and George in the background of Warren and Addie scene, and he was talking mm -hmm. about that he did it on purpose and stuff. So is that stuff he comes up with, or is that stuff that you put in the script, or, or is that a collaboration of of the moment, or how much well, do you, I mean, input do you have in what we see? Um, well, it just depends on the moment. That particular moment, obviously, I had put that these, that the conversations were happening, um, and that it was sort of like, I think I wrote that they're having this conversation in the foreground while we see the other two are talking in the background, but it's his sort of artistic vision to line it up in a way that, that sort of, even if you don't realize what you're looking at, it sort of echoes in you, um, mm -hmm. subliminally. And so that's his sort of artistic um, vision that lifts it off the page. Like I said, sometimes I'll write in, usually write in like what the, what we think the place looks like, what um, sometimes I try to write towards the director and the editing so that they can sort of see how the scene is supposed to look in my mind. But it's always at that point sort of going to be the director's, especially since I'm not there, it's going to be the director's choice. Um, luckily, I think Dan Dan had a really similar vision as me as to what the episode should look like. It and he did great. a great job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. He did. just the way it looked and everything was just amazing. Mm -hmm. 
and it's a beast of an episode. He has so many, he had so many things that he had to deal with. And I think if you haven't been on a set and sort of seen how things are done, I mean, you don't, when you're watching it and you're looking at the edits, you don't realize that like every setup, it takes time to set up from that angle. And like you're doing multiple angles. And even with our show where things are a little more handheld and a little more natural daylight, it's a lot, you know, to sort of get all the different line, everything up perfectly and um, get all the different reactions. And there was a lot to do and he did it. He did it great with um, lots of style. Yeah, I love this episode. So, <laughs> do you have yeah. another one coming out this season, or is this your one for the season? This is my one for the season. I'm really excited for next week's episode too, which um, Colin wrote, and he is a new writer for this season. He's so funny, and he's actually been part of the Z Nation family for a while um, on set, and then he was brought into the writers' room this year. And he is hilarious. So I think people will really enjoy next week's as well. Uh, that's uh, which is that Doc Stone uh, history? Yeah, that's uh, Doc Stone history. Yes. I cannot wait for that. Dude, just the title yeah. is so great. <laughs> the title yeah. great. And, and it's going to be very like George and Doc sort of together. So we have sort of hinted at their growing friendship. And now this will, you'll be able to see their friendship sort of cemented. Uh, yes, I just want to hear Doc's version of everything. So, Black Summer, do you have anything to do with that at all? Do you have any squeeze? We sat in for um, a few weeks and sort of helped come up with character ideas and story ideas, but that is very much um, John Hyams' vision and um, he sort of went off with then a smaller writers group to actually go through and beat out the episodes. So I have a good idea as to what happens over the thrust of the series. And it's definitely going to be gritty and darker and much more realistic than this version is. And I think really have just some like heart pounding action. Um, and then the Netflix format is interesting because it sort of frees them up time-wise. You know, everything doesn't have to be exactly the same length. They can have things longer or shorter. And so there'll be times when, you know, you're sort of following something and it sort of abruptly can end. And then other times when you get sort of the full hour or whatever of story. And it'll just depend. It's just very story-focused um, and sort of what's best for that particular tale. So I can't wait to see it. Um I think he's brilliant, and he's just going to bring it on home. Can't wait. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. We'll yeah, be- get, definitely get excited, but it's not going to be the sort of funny, silly Z Nation flavor. It's definitely a sort of grittier, scarier world where people don't know what a zombie is exactly yet. Well, that's what happens at the beginning. No one knows what it is right. until they find out it's a zombie. <laughs> the only person who I knows mean- is Doc. He goes, hold on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we know this from the flashback. That's a zombie. That's right. Yeah. Well, we, you know, and we've established that the Z Nation takes place in a world where there are George Romero, you know, like Night of the Living Dead is a movie in our, mm-hmm. in our world. But it, it'll definitely, it's, it's, it'll be different when the reality of it hits them. Oh, definitely. Well, yeah. 
we are looking forward to it. We're going to be covering it when it comes out and oh, seeing great. who we can talk to about it and everything else. Because, you know, it's Black Summer. It's still Z's Nation. It's, that's where we're at. So we'll be there. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I am really excited to see it. It's going, to, it's going to be a completely different way of looking at this world. Definitely. Not sure how the format will go on that since everything drops at one time, but we'll figure that out when we get there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't even thought about yeah, that. It's, it's kind of yeah, it's all interesting. Yeah. We'll spend a whole day doing all episodes in one shot. No, that that would be really <laughs> confusing. <laughs> Oh my! <laughs> binge watch and binge podcast. <laughs> that, that never works out well. I can tell you, it never works out yeah. well because I we're just gonna yeah. go one episode at a time. Probably that's what I think. Yeah, because uh, I do screener stuff for other shows that are on Sci-Fi, and with another friend of mine who we do podcasting with, and we've done like multiple episodes in once for like different shows. And you're like, mm-hmm. crap, I can't talk about what's going to happen in next show. <laughs> so yeah. you're like, you get confused about what happened yeah. when. and yeah. Definitely, mm-hmm. yeah. We had that issue with <laughs> Oh, well, that's, that's like when you interview us. I live in terror that I'm going to exactly. reveal something that I wasn't supposed to reveal that hasn't happened yet, you know. <laughs> and then Carl will call me and be mad. <laughs> we look, <laughs> we look out for you. It's your fine. Scene. I'm trying to work out a time. In fact, he's like, I can show up this Sunday. I'm like, we have Delandra this Sunday. He goes, oh, he's like, well, I don't want to take away from her. So we're, we're, try, we're trying to get a time with him. We're working on it. We're going to grill him so hard, too, about everything. Hopefully, it'll be before I have to go pick my daughter up from the airport. We're going to try, Brad. We're going to try. So, Delandra, my mom's a big fan of your Lifetime movies. Do we, you have anything else coming out this year? Mm, wait, I feel like I'm, oh, well, right now I'm working on a Hallmark movie, so this will be a little oh. bit different. Do I feel like, did I, do I have a Lifetime one that's in the hole? I don't think so. I have a few that I kind of helped develop because I worked um, in the development department at the asylum. Um, and so there's some where it's like I helped with the story, but we had other writers write them. So right now, nothing, but I am working on a Hallmark movie that maybe will be um, on air next year. Oh, cool. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mom's a fan. She, like, will tell me Aww. when she sees one of your movies. I saw Delandra Williams's movie. I'm like, that's cool, Mom. So Because oh she's, like, a huge Nation fan now. So every time she's memorized, like, who does what episodes and stuff, like, because she just did her big rewatch. She's like, tell Delandra I like this episode. And I'm like, okay, Mom. Oh. And then I forget. <laughs> that is so sweet. We appreciate, I appreciate that so much. That is so yeah. sweet. Yeah. And I did, like I said, I just worked on the second season of Step Up High Water, which is a YouTube premium show. And that will be dropping in January. Um, and that show is fantastic. It's a dance show. It's shot in Atlanta. Um, Neo is in it. Naya Rivera is in it. And just some of the best young dancers in the whole country uh, are also in it. And that was a pleasure to work on as well. So that's in January. That sounds cool, too. Yeah. <laughs> you're busy and you have a variety of, of uh, flavors in your resume, don't you? <laughs> That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I really do. I really worked on everything from Elvis biopics to horror to, um, you know, light rom-com. So um, I, 
I have loved my, this whole, my career so far has been such a blessing and I'm, you know, always working on something new, but I think my heart will always sort of be in horror and genre. Yeah. um, (laughs) It's always going to be sort of my home base. Yeah. I, I, I feel you. I feel you on that one. Definitely. Cause everyone's a lot of people go, can you write something that's not a horror or scary or whatever? And I'm like, I do write those on occasion, but it's kind of hard to get away from. I've done it. Well, yeah, I I like all those things, you know, (laughs) because I think of horror, not, um, I think of horror is sort of an extension of those things. It's if you Mm -hmm. take fairy tale, if you take rom-com, if you take thriller to it's, most um, outlandish conclusion, and that's horror, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't find them all that different as genres, but I just love that with horror, you can just go there. You can go yeah. to the the craziest places, that, right. um, whereas the other ones, you sort of rein in and keep them a little more realistic. Yeah, right? I, I've tried to venture out into writing other things besides horror, and I just end up right back where I'm at. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> or it's in some shade or fantasy. It's like it's sci-fi. There's still a horror thing in there. Fantasy. It's still a horror thing in there. It just shoves it way in there. It just, it just, it's there. It's that's how I'm, I give up. I just, it's just going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a fun way to end a scene, you know, with like they they're having like a deep heart to heart, and then some zombies and werewolves come crashing through the window and, right. you know, bite the guy's head off after the breakup. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very satisfying. <laughs> and, and this all started, like, back when I was in school, right? We had a, like, I actually had this thing happen when I was in the ninth grade, I believe, ninth or eighth grade or one or two. We had to write a Christmas story <laughs> for school. Mm-hmm. And my mm-hmm. Christmas story ended up being that, and I my English teacher did not really like it. But it ended up, my Christmas story was Santa Claus ended up being a werewolf hunter. Oh, yeah. Nice. There you go. There you go. And it, uh, I love it. It's been downhill for, it's, that's where it's been from there. I mean, <laughs> just one of those. And there was things that my parents were like, do we need to take, have you talked to somebody? I'm like, no. <laughs> just, oh, geez. I might have been a, a little bit uh, uh, um, impressed on by, uh, Werewolf in uh, the American Werewolf in London, but you know it was still yes. there. <laughs> so, Most of my I family mean, I think it's never read my books. Yeah, it's. it's I would. I mean, I would watch the Christmas movie that's you know the Christmas Werewolf movie. I I would, oh, I would. Mm-hmm. They're great. Yeah. you gotta love them. I keep. I keep <laughs> telling the guys that when we're up there in Spokane, they should film a zombie Yule log that we can just. You know, put on a station someplace where it's just a zombie on fire, and like every once in a while somebody comes by and pokes it with like a Z whacker, and that's it. It's an hour of zombie eulog. I was like, I, I want people to watch it. Yeah. I want that. I do want that. You don't that need it that so long. Hard. I mean, that's we like need a, the Christmas special. Yeah, I want, right. This is the but one thing I've been. Is, if we keep. If we keep promoting a Christmas special and that's all it is, it's just the zombie Yule log with like the Christmas music in the background. Yes. I would be fine with that for because for like the last five years I've been wanting my Christmas special. We pitched it. We pitched it to Carl. We did. Yeah. We laid it out. Oh, we tried so hard. We tried so hard. He knows you want that. He it, knows you yes. want that. It, We're a musical <laughs> episode. Knows. Yeah, we begged you know? for both. Come on, we have even begged. I, I've even already written one of the songs. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is a great singer and dancer, so. Yeah, there you go. The only, the only thing that Carl has given me 
in any terms of reassurance is that he will never kill Pup the dog. <laughs> but don't trust the nation, right? He told me he can't. He says, if I kill the dog, because Dan Merchant told the story. Remember that he said he was going to have a little grave for Pup in the background? He's like, no, you no. can't do that. <laughs> Carl's like, no. They'll come for me. I guess I told him they will come for you. I literally yeah, you hurt the I, animals. I get yeah. emails from people. They start reading my book, and if there's an, I've had this multiple times happen, especially with the first days. They go, okay, there's a dog in this book, and I just need to know: does the dog make it to the end? Because if he dies, I'm not finishing this book. And, I'll, and I'm like, if there's a pet, if there's an animal in any of my books, they are the only ones that are sure to survive. Everyone else is is. All the humans are possibly going to die. And, and they're like, okay, that's fine. As long as the dog's alive. <laughs> that's what, I mean, it's generally one of the asylum's rules is that you don't hurt the dog. It's generally one of the mm-hmm. rules. And then we did one movie for sci-fi that was all just dogs. It was all <laughs> dogs attacking a town and then just getting mowed down. And um, people didn't like that. Yes. <laughs> not like the dog's getting hurt. So it is a fun movie. It's called Night of the Wild. Um, it's a fun one. But uh, yeah, that generally is one of the rules because people get so upset if the dog or the cat is hurt. Oh, so my God. Pup is, oh, pup is alive and well. Sorry? There's, there's a whole website where you can go see if the, the animal dies. Like you can check. Really? Yeah. Like when they had the posters for Meg, that's the first thing I went to go. Does I went straight to that website. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like it, it has different, like, you know, because there's people who don't want to see anything that has, you know, incest or rape or, you know, right or, or whatever. But it originally started off with letting you know if the dog was going to die. And then they've added other things that you can look up to. So you can kind of check and make sure the movie you're taking isn't something that, you know, it's not what you want to see or that you don't want your kids to see or whatever. You know what I mean? But, yeah, that's the first thing I do. If I see a movie and they have an animal in the preview, I'm like, does the dog die? <laughs> <laughs> I love my peppers. Yeah, of course. My peppers so in here. Innocent. He's being good this yeah. week. Yeah, Ragnar's not making any noise. If you hear noise in the background, that's my dog Ragnar. So you know. He's, oh, I have my cat with me. So yeah, no, he's meowing. He's a cat of hula. He thinks he's a cat sometimes. I don't know. Oh, how cute. <laughs> Having a home studio is fun because then you end up with the cat banging on the door yeah. and trying to open the doorknob. You know, <laughs> yeah, they get real mad. Yeah, they get real mad if you close the door. That's always fun. So, mm-hmm. uh, where can people find you on social media? Oh, geez. Um, I mostly, if you try to find me through Facebook, I will not accept your friend re- request. I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not trying to be rude to people. I just keep that just for people that I know personally. Right. So I can post pictures of my kids and oh. stuff, or my kid, my one kid. I won't so accept you your. Me. I won't accept your friend's request either. So I'm just. <laughs> I'm yeah. Facebook. Sorry. No. <laughs> but you can find me on Twitter at Delandra underscore W, and I'm I'm very active um, with fans on Twitter. So if you want to find me, that's the place. I'm also on Instagram, but I'm less active there. Right. So where do we send your requ- our request for season six? 
Send it to sci-fi. I'm not in charge of that. <laughs> no, I meant, I'm just, no, I meant we are assuming there's going to be a season six. Oh. So I'm asking you, what can we, you know, I have requests for season six. You know, so. We we listen to requests and we sometimes laugh at them. So, I mean, <laughs> you know. Oh, <laughs> oh, there you go. Beg sci-fi yeah. for season six yeah. and the picture idea so they can have a good chuckle over the Z Nation. <laughs> that's what we they do try. We do try. That's what they did with my Countess story. I'm telling you, they just laughed. Oh, at oh they, probably mm-hmm. in our our. Let me see our Santa Claus yeah. story and our yeah. musical and oh all the different ways we can bring back Sarah Coates. Yeah, th- that was pitch so much stuff. <laughs> right. I have a special section on the DVD rejected ideas. Yeah. Did, we actually do talk about the fans in the room. So it's not like, I mean, we do talk about the things and say like, hey, people have said this or that. We're just not, you can't count on us to actually do those things. And <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. so we'll try to oh, like, yeah. actively play against it. So um, it just depends. But we're always, we do read things. And I think for a show, we're pretty active and engaged with our viewers. Mm-hmm. I did, just, whole, I, I did a whole I did a whole audio more. story last season for uh, the uh, to get uh, Sarah Coates back as her evil twin sister. Yeah, yeah. he did. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. <laughs> she'd be she'd be great. Yeah. And and one more fan thing I've I've seen already seen a lot of people want that what happens in limbo stays in limbo T shirt. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So. Isn't that yeah. cool? Yeah. I don't know what is up. I, I don't one. know what is up with our merchandising. I don't know why we okay. don't have merch. Really, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know what that is. So I guess we have to bug someone cool. at Sci-Fi. Yeah, <laughs> that was know. a really cool shirt. I want one too. We I'm, wanted the Zona shirt, the Zona jacket from last season that right, Murphy wore. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. we wanted that too. Those are really cool, and they did give them to cast and crew. I just need, need some Zona so or Altura or Z Nation posters for my recording studio. That's really all I need. Oh, cool. <laughs> I have nothing. I have Mad Max and pretty much, yeah, that's about it. There's, there's some other yeah. stuff in here, but yeah, I need some Z Nation stuff in here. So yeah, they need marketing. We need this stuff out there. I know. I know. They could make a million. Yeah, there's, there's a- there's so many cool things to play with, so many cool visuals and cool slogans, and and I don't know, I don't know what's up with that. My mom got a signed autograph picture from Kalita, so she's happy. Nice. Oh, Kalita's <laughs> so sweet. Mm-hmm. My mom was thrilled. Oh, your mom's cool. Yes, she is. She likes Z Nation. Come on, my mom's cool. She's gonna be 81 cool. very soon too. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh well, happy birthday to her. I'll let her know that you said that. Oh, yes, also, uh, happy birthday to Susan. Well, thank happy you. birthday, Susan. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> happy birthday, Susan. Yes. Thank I just you. had to throw that in there because I remember it. I'm like, oh, before I forget to tell her. Well, I think that about covers everything we got. Y'all got anything else? I think we have... Pumped her for all the information we can get out of her, Brad. All right. Yeah. Much. <laughs> well, we want to thank you so much for coming out and reviewing this episode with us. It was a joy to watch. You did an awesome job, and thank mm-hmm. you so much. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for your support of the show. We really appreciate you, and um, it's always fun to come and talk to you guys. 
All right. That was a great talk that we had there with the laundry about the episode. I love this episode. I don't know. It was almost like one of my favorite of the season so far. Murphy's awesome. He's my hero. I hate him. (laughs) (laughs) I will always hate Murphy. He killed a lot of people. He has killed and enslaved a shit ton of people. Including our beloved 10K. It's the apocalypse. Things happen. He's he's the villain. He's going to swing back and forth between being a protagonist and a villain. We all know it. And I do think the show is going to end with... Like when they finally get their cancellation, if they get enough time, I think Murphy gets it in the head. But um, oh, really, I will always love to hate Murphy. He's not a good person. He's, he's an awesome person. He's amazing. He's a an awful person. human being. <laughs> Y'all, well, no, blend. Sorry, he's an awful blend. I mean, he's always going to look out <laughs> for number one, and that's his nature, and that includes Duh. killing off a majority of the human population. Hey. So. If it keeps yeah. me alive, I'm just saying, in the apocalypse. Yeah. Villain. Villain. Um, I love to hate Murphy. Uh, I, I Keith Allen is freaking hot as hell. And I love the way he plays Murphy. Murphy. But I you love to hate love Murphy. I do love his style, but that doesn't mean I would be beyond someone putting a bullet through his head at the end of the the show. End of the apocalypse. It's just Murphy. You can never trust Murphy. You will never be able to 100% trust Murphy. He oh, will no. always look out for himself first. And yeah. he that even if it means people dying, even if it means people that he supposedly cares about dying as well. Now I do I do think he tries, but I just think it's not in his freaking nature to be um good. Now one of the things <laughs> we didn't bring up when we were talking to the Laundra is Murphy is, you know, sleeping around with everybody. Oh yeah, I want we did the, talk about that. I want the flash forward. No, we we didn't talk about this. I want the flash oh. forward in like a year, when mm-hmm. all of a sudden like thirty women come to him. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> with babies. Yeah. What, there's like what's a he doing for birth control. <laughs> right there's like a bus that pulls up, <laughs> and all these kids come off. And they're all oh like, you know, it's been a year, Blue. so they're all like five years old. Some blue ones, some red ones, red one. you know, right. some models. how old they are. And yeah. they're not all babies either because they've grown into growth spurts. So they're there and they, daddy, and runs that. Daddy! I'm just We're saying. pitching a new idea, Carl. Yeah, there you go, Carl. right there. Pitching a new idea. <laughs> Murphy ends up with an army of children that slowly turn his heart from villainous to good, or he just would run away from them probably. Oh <laughs> I bust full of 30 kids in the apocalypse. I'd run away. Uh, That'd be hilarious. Oh, my God. All right. So how can the good people of Z Nation find (laughs) y'all? Well, I'm over at at Geek Girl Soup. And this past week, um, I I, I talked to another Z Nation friend of ours, um, Eric, the editor. Hey, Eric. And we, yeah. And we talked about The Walking Dead and the the uh, Rick's last episodes. I know. I watched that. the whole six minutes of that episode. It was worth watching. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I literally well, fast I forwarded the, to the Shane episode, so the Shane part. I watched the Shane part and I fast forwarded to the very end last minute. And I'm I'm hooked. I'm going to watch it again this week. It was great. 
This is a lot because Brad quit a long time ago. I quit in season three, and I am coming back to Walking Dead because, one, I said as soon as Rick is gone, I am coming to watch the show again. <laughs> That's true. He has said that in the past. That's actually not yeah. why. So I, it's on I'm, I'm, I'm out. I, I can't go back. I just... Yeah. Nope. It's on it's the It's hard for me. It's, it it's just It's really hard for me because I, I don't know why, but that... <sighs> It's one of those rare few shows where I sit there and I really want to love it. And because I don't, I feel guilty mm-hmm. and uh, I don't like living with guilt. So, you know, I do like certain <laughs> characters on the show. I do love my Daryl and Carol. I love Michonne. Mm-hmm. I did like the pictures I saw of little Judith Grimes all grown up wearing the, 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 the mm-hmm. sheriff hat. That was really adorable and cute. Almost that picture was almost enough to lure me back to try again. Hey, that but, scene lured uh, me back in. I got the I got the VCR set up. I got the tape in there. I'm good to go. VCR. VCR okay. tape. Wow, Brad, you're really uh, <laughs> up there on your here. tech. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, well, I love been... this. I love the genre. It's just that show was just I. Yeah, anyhow. it's not my it's not well, my thing. Z Nation's more my thing. So there yeah, you. and this this storyline that's coming up, it's like I you know I've I've been reading the comics, and I think that's like the last full storyline that I that I read. Okay. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how they do it. Mm-hmm. And you know, but I always get excited about that. It's like, oh, how are they going to do this storyline on the well, <laughs> on the show? And then I get tired of the show. <laughs> uh, well, they have a new showrunner, and it it's weird because this season's mm-hmm. actually been getting really good reviews from people and everything. It's just it's just not it just hasn't been enough to lure me back yet. But if I if Brad gets back on board, maybe I'll consider. It. So there you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm your as, key piece of is it worth watching? Is me, Brad? Yeah, you're my you're you're my canary in the in the coal mine. And which is um, funny where, because where by you can the way, find I, me is rianandfreighter.com, and I have kind of sort of two new books out. I have the mesmerized out. And the Midnight Spell. The Midnight Spell is if you like Buffy and Charmed. Um, I wrote it with my BFF, and we had a lot of fun writing that. And then the Mesmerize is pretty much straight up supernatural horror adventure, and uh, it has a really awesome female character, um, a Korean American uh, woman in the center of that story, and she's just really cool. And you can find out more about me at rianandfreighter.com, and you can find me at Twitter. Um, it's at at Rian and Freighter. Um, and I do talk with the fans and of Z Nation and of my writing. And um, my Facebook is not private. Anybody can join. My philosophy on that is if I want people to know, my friends and family to know what's going on, I'll let them know personally. Um, so y'all can drop in. And, and I don't share every aspect of my life, but you can get an idea of what I'm like. All right. Where can we find you, Brad, well, other than okay. watching The Walking Dead? So I actually do have a whole shelf here full of Walking Dead characters that I've had for like ever in a day. It's not that I hate the show. <laughs> I do have them. They're there. I really want to eBay some of them. But, you know, I do have them right here. <laughs> I did email my little Herschel one with the head falling off thing for, you know, like $70 at one point in time. But I have another one. But anyhow. Maybe I have I'll- Michonne and Daryl toys. I I I. So I'm not a complete hater of The Walking Dead. It's just not. I, I just I I life is so hard as it is that I want to watch stuff that either has a sense of humor, or that I know there's a shot in hell of my favorites actually making it out alive. And <laughs> The Walking Dead just 
<laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah. just I feel like they're like um, what it, what is it like? They have a, a you know all the names of the characters up on the wall, and they just take a dart and go, "Who are we killing?" Mm-hmm. Okay, they're out. Right. <laughs> right. Or who are we in dispute with now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Behind the scenes. I'll, I'll, I'll take yeah. a picture of it, maybe post it or something, and you know, give me your offers. But whatever. Um, Brad, and, think, hey, Brad, this I'm is also cool. writing a thing with my BFF. Uh, uh, Court and I are doing this story. It's about stuff and things. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's pretty much as good as I got for nice. you right there. It's a, a kind of a s- fantasy, sci-fi, supernatural horror thing right there. We're okay. we're just kind of winging it through Nano Wermo, <laughs> and we're both writing stuff and seeing how it lines up. It's been really interesting so far. We have this really cool world coming around, so it's been kind of fun. So That's awesome. I'm are you just, using like uh, are you are you using like Google Docs or yep. something to write at the same time? Oh, that's yeah, that's how we did it too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're totally Google Docking it. And then and what's funny is the fact that for all you don't know, I've been doing podcasting with Courtney right now for like ten years, is we literally had both the same idea on a couple things so far. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> I got I was like talking to her, I was like, I got this idea, and she goes, Oh, shut up. <laughs> I'm like, that, yeah. that's probably <laughs> why you're good friends. Yeah. So yeah. You, we'll we'll have something on that later. I don't know. Just check us out on on, on Twitter. I'm Brad ZB there. Um, my Facebook. You can try to add me. I may or may not add you. That's the whole thing. Uh, but definitely, you can find me on Instagram, Rambling Brad. There, I take a lot of pictures and put them up there and stuff like that. So you can also find me over at Pure Fandom. I do podcasts there with Courtney and Brad and Court Talk. We are covering Van Helsing. Which is freaking amazing! Oh my god, this mm-hmm. week was this week's episode that was massive. I want Susan back. Oh no, this past mm-hmm. week's episode. Oh, with I want Susan Phil. back. Phil, Phil was oh my god, and yeah, and I want was, Susan yeah. back. Okay, she'll come. She's coming back <laughs> right, right here. Yeah, Susan's <laughs> right here. I already have a season. What am I saying? I know. Okay. Yeah. It's like, sorry, Susan, you didn't mean enough to her before then. So. But, <laughs> But I'm yeah, not the you, right Susan. Yeah, I'll go away. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave now. I'll take my stuff and leave. <laughs> so yeah, you can, you can find us there, and yeah, check it out. A lot of cool stuff on Pure Fandom, also, and we'll have some more amazing stuff later on. Uh, yeah, that's all. I and here on the Zcast, we have some pretty cool interviews lined up, and I'm working to try and get you more. There you go. Sounds groovy. All right, so we'll go ahead and let uh, Delandra take us out then. We will. I give you mercy.